Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised from the city of our God, from the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King? Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. For you are worthy of it all, you are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, And to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Lord, you deserve the glory. We worship and honor you. We magnify your name. Upon this day you've given us, you are greatly to be praised. We honor, we love you, we adore you. Thank you, Lord, for saving our soul. Thank you, Lord, for making us whole. Hallelujah. Father, bless this broadcast today. Bless this simple word to the people who tune in today, tomorrow, in the future to listen May you take the simple words that I've penned, that I've studied, 
and penetrate the hearts and make them live within the people. Lord, make your word an indelible mark upon their hearts, Lord. Give them a hunger to serve you. Give them a hunger to worship you. Give them a hunger to magnify your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast followers, devotees, worshipers of our Lord on this great day, this great end of day, uh, end of time, I should say, summer's day here. It's a beautiful, beautiful day in the Pacific Northwest where I'm broadcasting from. Not too hot, but it's very um, pleasant out, nice, sunny, clear blue skies, as they sang before, the bluest skies in Seattle. Well, they're really blue when it's a beautiful day. And I'm just back with you again with the Word of God. I'm back with you again to share from the Psalms. We're going to break open the Psalms uh, starting today, starting this fall. This is part two of an introduction to the Psalms. Part two of an introduction to the Psalms. Uh, last week I spoke on uh, starting an introduction to the Psalms. We spoke quite a bit about how poetic the Psalms were and uh, just various different things about them. You can go back and listen to that introduction. A lot of valuable information there. So let's get into it right away. Background material on the Psalms. Having examined some of the unique characteristics of Hebrew poetry in general, let's now focus on the book of Psalms itself. The origin or the origin of the word psalm, the origin or origin of the word psalm, its origin really. Mizmor is the Hebrew word for psalms and means melody, music, or songs and words of poetry without music, with or without music, mostly in song though. Psalm 67 and 68 are titled with this very word. Uh, also, and it's also used 57 times, this word mizmor, throughout the Psalms, used for praise and worship, from a root word meaning to cut off or prune off. This speaks of a composition that cuts off all else but the simple thought or point that a psalm is trying to bring across to those who are reading it, you know, to focus our mind on that Point, whether it's judgment of the wicked, whether it's vindication of the righteous, whether it's praise, just to focus our minds on that. The Greek word that's used is psalmos, from the Hebrew word zimar, or zimmer, meaning to pluck, and it alludes to taking hold of strings of an instrument with your fingers, and then implies that you play that instrument and play that psalm musically. So we see from this that originally psalms were composed or written to mostly be accompanied by stringed instruments. Psalms are songs from the lyre and therefore lyric poems in the strictest sense. That's what Delich says, um, the commentator. Psalm, psalms, volume 1, page 7. That's what he said. David and others therefore originally wrote the psalms to be sung to the accompaniment of a harp. And you could just picture in your mind's eye the shepherd boy maybe penning Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, and singing that unto the Lord with a lyre. 
In the New Testament, we are told to sing the Psalms to the accompaniment of our hearts, or of the heart. In Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's our instrument, the heart. Singing from the heart. Ephesians 5.19. The phrase making melody comes from the Greek word solentes, solentes literally plucking of the strings. Therefore, we are to pluck the strings of our heart as we meditate and sing the psalm with, with feeling, with emotion, with our heart connected to God. That's what they're all about. Another word that we find related to the psalms and mentioning the psalms, and you've heard it, I'm sure, the Hebrew word telium, telium. There is not a Hebrew title for the book of Psalms that encompasses all the Psalms, but many use this word when describing the Psalms, uh, the Hebrews do, telium. Many Psalms are titled this. Two out of three uh, had individual titles. Probably the most common title was telium. Used of, 96 of, the, uh, used of Psalm 96 plus 30 other Psalms. The root of telium is halal. The root of telium, the Hebrew word telium, is the Hebrew word telhalal, which I know you've heard of, means hallelujah or praise. Literally means to show, be brilliant. Point, we are to praise God. We are to begin to see things more clearly as we praise God than any other time. When we're praising Him, we see things more clearly. That's why it's important to get in and marinate and study and um, just maybe more so as a devotional, just worship the Lord with the Psalms. Begin to praise Him. Begin to open up your heart to Him as you read through the Psalms prayerfully, as you maybe spend time devotionally in them. As I said, there's not a normal title for the book of Psalms entirely. Uh, but about 116 of the Psalms were given an individual title. Each one were given an individual title. Uh, or inscription showing it was intended for a specific instrument or chief musician to play or to sing. So let's look at some of the words um, that we see in relationship to the Psalms. Upon, it will sometimes say upon, like upon an instrument or upon an occasion, you know, we would sing that song, psalm or uh, read that psalm. Of means it's of a certain author, uh, like some of the... Um, ones that were, we're going to see that some of the Levites that were given charge over the temple worship, like Asaph and Ethan, or for whom the psalm was directed to for use or attention. We see that in Psalm 72 and 84. Breakdown of titles. 52 had a simple title, uh, the Psalm of David. So we know from that that David did not write all the psalms. 14 had historical titles. Um, example, one would be, I'm thinking of when David fled his enemies, okay, that's, that titles the psalm there. Four titles list, listed a specific purpose, like for Sabbath day, 15 had a degree, like a degree of praise, 31 had special and unique inscriptions. No paragraphs in Hebrew had to decide, um, no, there were no paragraphs in Hebrew so one had to decide the beginning of the next psalm, the people that translated the book of Psalms, okay? Some titles, 
Let's look at these some of these titles. Miktam, meaning to teach, also suggests engraving on tables, alluding to the twelve tribes, um, you know, that were put on the breastplate stone or breastplate of the high priest. There was a stone uh, that was put upon that, and uh, six tribes were listed on one side and six on the other. Um, that's that was referred to here as Miktam. Okay, um, play to the high priest, signifying that, of course, that Israel was his special treasure engraved upon God's heart. Uh, for, the, for this title of this psalm, that some of the psalms titled like this, Psalm 16, Psalm 56, 57, 58, 59, 60. Let's go to the next title of interest. Shigonoth or Shigion. Shigonoth or Shigion means obscure, wild, a rhythmic song and dance, like a wild dance, you know. Moffat says of this title, means a song of irregular form, wild and vehement in character. They were beside themselves as they danced. And can't you just picture there was a psalm of praise and worship by Miriam as they crossed the Red Sea, uh, you know, celebrating the victory and God delivering them from the Egyptians, right? That's what I'm thinking of when I think of this one. Uh, singing with unrestraint. See David, 2 Samuel 6.16, where he danced before the Lord when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Judah. Psalm 7 and Habakkuk 3.1. See, these titles aren't just... Uh, aren't just significant or listed significantly only to Psalms, but sometimes to other passages in Scripture, like in 2 Samuel 6.16, where David danced before the Lord, and Habakkuk 3.1. Let's look at another title. Shoshanim. Shoshanim. Shoshanim means lilies or choice ones. Psalm 46, 69, and 80. Let's look at another one. Maskeel. Maskeel means instruction and alludes to skillful singing and playing. Maybe they're skillfully singing and playing like Asaph or Ethan or the other worshipers in the temple, but there's instructions that are being sung out to the people. Psalm 32, 42, 44, Psalm 45, Psalm 52, Psalm 53, Psalm 54, Psalm 74, Psalm 78, Psalm 88, Psalm 89, Psalm 142. That was a miskel, a titled miskel on all those psalms. And you can get these in the show notes. Uh, I'm not going to keep repeating the scriptures because you can find them in the show notes. Let's look at another title. Jedathan. Jedathan means a choir of praise. In other words, they probably somebody was leading out and a choir was singing this psalm. Uh, Jedathan was formerly Ethan. So Ethan might have been leading this choir, or Jedathan leading this choir of Levites singing. He was one of three masters of music appointed by David. Um, there was also Asaph, uh, Ethan, Jedathan, um, and there was another one. It's in the notes here. We'll get to it. There was another man. Their office was generally to preside over the music of the temple service. They set up a perpetual order of worship and praise 24-7 in the temple through their singing and playing of instruments glorifying God. And also at this time, words of prophecy and prophetic words were being sung out to the people. 
Second uh, Chronicles 25.1, Psalm 39, Psalm 66, Psalm 77. And we see that happening today across our country, across the world. There are others who feel to set up uh, Davidic-type worship 24-7 to the Lord. You know, I think they do that over there in um, Kansas City, you know. Um, I can't think of the name of that fellowship, but it's well known. Lanoth is another title, Lenoth. Ellicott says of this title, so this one is uh, uh, like a dirge, very perplexing. It encompassed, encompassed loneliness, sickness, distress, sadness, affliction. It was played with a melancholy tune, like a dirge. Had to do a lot of times with a repenting and humbling of oneself. So we see that in Psalm 12, Psalm 13, Psalm 88, Psalm 53, Psalm 14. We also see it in the passage of Hosea 5, 3 to 15, and Hosea 6, 1 to 3, Isaiah 1, 4 to 9, also in Deuteronomy 32, 26 to 36. All examples of this sad, dirge-like psalm. Okay, so you could say some of these other passages in Isaiah, Hosea, uh, Deuteronomy were also psalms. They weren't in the book of Psalms, but they're like a psalm, the way they were constructed, the way the writing was done. Um, let's look at another title, Shushan Edith. Shushan Edith means lily of testimony or lily of speech, a beautiful song of worship or praise. Look at Psalm 60. That's uh, uh, Shushan Edith. Higion, Higion. Higieon, I think is the way you say it. Higieon means thought, reflection, meditation, Solomon, uh, I mean solemn sound. You know, you're marinating, you're reflecting on something. It's identical to the Hebrew word selah, which means to stop, take time, and consider. Isn't that what the Psalms are all about? Look at Psalm 9, 19, and 92 for examples of Higion, or examples of a Selah. You know, in this, in this 21st century, United States, especially North America, we rush through so much. Do we really know what it means to sit down and meditate on the plans and purposes and promises of God anymore? I think that's something, we, if you haven't done it already, you need to add to your devotional time before God. Don't just rush through reading the Word of God or the, or the Psalms. I mean, I'm a studier of the Word. I really get in and study it. But sometimes God has had to convict me that I don't hegeon enough, that I don't sail His Word enough, you know, meditate, chew it over and over again, like the word meditate means. Say it softly over and over again and think about it. Another uh, title would be sheer or sure means to stroll or skip along in song. Wow. Found in 30 titles. So some of the psalms were meant to be, you know, just like doing a skip in joy, you know, because the psalms are all about joy. All these titles, you know, point to and speak of Jesus. So let's go on to another topic about the psalms. Let's talk about the history of the psalms. The oldest of the Psalms originate from the time of Moses, 1400 years before Christ. We have three Psalms that Moses penned, Exodus 15, 1 to 15, 
This is the one where Miriam was dancing across the Red Sea, celebrating that great victory. Deuteronomy 32 and 33, uh, those chapters, a song of exhortation to keep the law after entering Canaan. And in the Psalms itself, Psalm 90, a song of meditation, reflection, and prayer. After Moses, the writing of the Psalms, you know, had its peaks. In other words, people wrote a lot of songs, psalms, I should say, and songs in the psalms, and then valleys where they didn't write as much. In, in David's time, a thousand years before Christ, the sacred lyric attained its full maturity. That's where we could say that it, the psalms reached their peak. With Solomon, his son, the creation of psalms began to decline a bit. Uh, people didn't write as many. It was more the age of the proverb. Because, you know, Solomon was known for writing Proverbs. Ecclesiastes is like more of a melancholy proverb, we could say. Uh, you know, fashioned after the Proverbs, but more melancholy than the Proverbs. So let's answer for you, like we had in the test in uh, part one, what are some of the authors of the Psalms? Who authored the Psalms? David. A lot of people commonly think that he authored all the Psalms. The Psalms were written by David. Actually, he wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms, which are less than half of the Psalms. David's experiences can be found in the Psalms, yet not his experiences alone. Asaph, the music director during the reigns of David and Solomon. You know, he was a Levitical, uh, Levitical in the Levitical priesthood, and he was a uh, musically talented music director. Uh, he wrote 12 psalms. The sons of Korah, that, these were Levites who served in the temple, they wrote 12 psalms. We can attribute at least two psalms to Solomon, Psalm 72, Psalm 172. And in 1 Kings 4, 29-32, it's stated that he wrote many more psalms. Okay, because a lot of them, you'll find another author of the psalms was anonymous, meaning there's over 48 psalms, or there are 48, that we don't know who wrote them. So maybe he wrote some of those. Let's look at some of these other fellows that were in the temple that led worship. Heman, he was a contemporary with David and Asaph, and known as a singer. He wrote Psalm 88. Ethan, um, a companion of Asaph and Heman in temple worship. He wrote one psalm, Psalm 89. Let's talk next about the arrangement of the psalms. The psalms were originally collected into five books. That's what a lot of scholars, that's how they look at them. Apparently, according to the material found within them. Some say each book coincides with the five books of the Torah. Let me see if I can get that. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So each book corresponds. Each book, if we could break the chapters of Psalms down into books, they'd all correspond with a book of, uh, of the Pentateuch, okay? Or book of the Torah, we should say, all right? So I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have said Pentateuch. But here goes, book 1, Psalm 1 to 41, emphasizes how God is beside us. Psalm 1 points to this. Psalm 23 points to this. Book 2, Psalm 42 to 72, has emphasis on how God is always going before us. 
found in Psalm 51. Um, Book 3, Psalm 73 to 89, reminds us that God is always around us. See Psalm 78. God was without, or with, was with, I should say, Israel throughout their history. Okay, uh, Psalm 89, 52 says that. Book 4 of the Psalms, Psalm 90 to 106. Psalm 90 to 106 focuses on how God is above us, how God is above us. Moses, man, us, we're, we're finite, but God is eternal. Book 5 of the Psalms was Psalm 107 to 150. The spotlight here is on how the, that God is among us. He's among us. Um, how a, uh, we could say in Psalm 128, it talks about how a man fearing God is blessed by God. Also Psalm 151 to 6. So God is beside us. God is before us. God is around us. God is above us. God is among us. All throughout the Psalms. We see that about God. Okay, and the corresponding to the Torah, or I guess it's the Pentateuch as well. So anyway, the Psalms can be arranged into chief groups. Let's talk about that. Chief groups. Alphabetic or acrostic. These Psalms have lines which in Hebrew start with words whose first letters follow a certain pattern. We talked about this last week with Psalm 119. The first eight lines, which are called a stanza, uh, the first eight lines, or that stanza, start with words beginning with the Hebrew letter alf. The second would be with beth, the second letter, and so on, till we have all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Each one of these uh, stanzas of eight lines have eight verses, so 8 times 22, when you multiply that, that's 176 verses. That's how many verses are in Psalm 119. Alphabetic or acrostic um, group. Okay, let's look at the next group, ethical. These psalms, groupings of psalms, teach moral principles. A good example is Psalm 15. Hallelujah psalms. Now we know what those are. Songs of praise beginning or ending with hallelujah or praise Jehovah. Psalm 103 is an example. Historical psalms. There's history in the psalms that review the history of God's dealing with his people. A good sample would be Psalm 106. Imprecatory. Imprecatory. These psalms invoke God to bring punishment or judgment upon one's enemies. Vindication, as it were. Psalm 69 as an example. Messianic psalms. You know, there's prophecy in the psalms. We talked, gave you a couple examples of that. Psalms pertaining to the coming Messiah. For example, you can look at Psalm 2 or Psalm 110. Penitential. Penitential. These are psalms expressing sorrow for sin. Psalms of repentance, you could say. Of course, Psalm 51 that David prayed after his great sin is a great example. Let's look at another group. Songs of Ascent or Songs of Degrees. Degrees. These psalms were sung by pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem to observe feasts. Okay? They are grouped together as Psalm 120 to 134. 
Okay, they're ascending. They're going up to Jerusalem. Okay, they could be uh, ascending in praise as well. Psalms of suffering, of course there would be. These psalms are cries of those suffering affliction. Psalm 102 is a typical example. I believe we could probably say Psalm 22, where it shows the sufferings of Christ. Psalms of thanksgiving. Wow, there's a lot of thanksgiving psalms. Psalm 100 is a great example. Psalms of grateful praise to Yahweh for blessings received. Okay, let's talk about the styles of the psalms, how they can be, uh, how they can be described. Diadetic, or dia dietic. Diactic. I'm not saying that right. Didactic. Boy. Psalms of teaching and instruction. See Psalm 1. Liturgical. Responsive readings for use in special services. Psalm 136. Perhaps you've been in church services where there's many readings. The pastor or elder will read a phrase and then the people will repeat it. Sometimes that's very good for worship. Sometimes. It can be dead and dry, but it can also be very worshipful. Psalm of meditation, that's another description or style. The ancient Hebrews were given, of course, that's one of their main things, meditation. I don't think we meditate much in this country or in North America anymore, unless it's, uh, you know, far out, you know, far eastern stuff that's not of God. The ancient Hebrews were given to meditation. Yeah, we should, we just, children of God, we should have the corner on meditation, folks. The ancient Hebrews were given meditate to meditation, uh, which then the Spirit would find expression in many of the Psalms. Look at Psalm 119. That's uh, a lot of people thinks, and we're going to get into that, that it's about the Word of God and getting the Word of God in our heart. There's some truth there, but really, it's a it's a wonderful, long, lengthy writing, 176 verses, of a man that had the Word meaning David, so inside of him, so much captured in his heart, so much a part of him that he then expressed it in those 176 verses. You know, uh, the Word had him, so to speak. God's commandments had him. God's meditations had him, right? And it came out of him. That's the way it should be. Uh, another style, praise and devotion. Psalms of joyful praise. Psalm 148 for that. Prayer and petition. Psalms that were sung in an attitude of prayer. Psalm 51, of course. Let's talk for a minute about the music of the Psalms. We talked about these different chief musicians. Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, or Ethan. He changed his name to Ethan. He's also called Ethan. So found, you can read that, read about that in 1 Chronicles 25, 1-7. David, together with the commanders of the army, set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, or, or Ethan, for the ministry of prophesying, accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. And then it gave, gave a listing. I'm not going to go through that now. This will be in the show notes. Gave a listing of those men that served under Asaph, Heman, and Ethan. Okay, And it said they were prophesying. So as they sang, I love to hear prophetic prophecy in song. I haven't heard a lot of it, but I think I wish more people would do that. I think when you begin to sing and let your heart out to God, in a and your spirit, you almost it almost frees you up in even a freer way uh, to prophesy if if you'll yield to that. So let's go on. All these men 
were under the supervision of their fathers of music in the temple, with cymbals, lyres, harps, for ministry at the house of God. Isn't that amazing? Like I said, some of that's being reinstated now, you know, uh, all across the country. There are groups that do that 24-7. They have people that, you know, eight hours in the daytime, eight hours, uh, uh, you know, in the swing shift, and then eight hours in even the graveyard. Uh, different worship teams will do that. Uh, all these men numbered, uh, actually the whole choir numbered 288. Many Levites were also musicians who played and sang before God in the temple 24-7. First Chronicles 9, 33-34. Specific musical instruments were used. First uh, Chronicles 16, 4-6 and verse 42. Psalteries, harps, cymbals, trumpets. Uh, the, only the priests use the trumpet, it says in my notes. Flutes, uh, like wind, wind, wind instruments, okay? Words have stayed, but the music's changed. Of course it has. I know now, today I've read, I'd like to research it a little more. There's a group who's committed, uh, and it's on the internet, I think you see it on Facebook sometimes, to putting every psalm to music. I don't know if they're finished with that project or not. but And we all know, I, I mean, I was singing a psalm in the beginning, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. We all know from our childhood and from our different backgrounds, many psalms that we sing. And some of you sing different tunes than I do, depending on what you've learned, depending on what age group you're in or what part of the country you're from. Isn't that wonderful? Music was meant to set the mood for temple worship. Yes, music can be very powerful, can it not? God has created us to enjoy and create music. You know, as has been said, a lot of people felt Satan before he fell was the chief, uh, you know, director of God's choir of angels, you know. Uh, music helps us become more vulnerable before each other in God. See Zephaniah 3.17. Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon is a book of song. Songs help instruct you and aid your memory. Yeah, uh, you, you know how things stick in your mind, you know. Uh, you hear a song that you haven't heard, you know, that was played in your childhood, and you can still remember the lyrics. And I'm talking about old rock music, but even gospel songs. Uh, let's look for instruction and to aid our memory. Isaiah 5.1, Isaiah 35.10. Deuteronomy 31.19, Deuteronomy 32.1. Songs are an ultimate medium of expression to God. Hallelujah. Songs are an ultimate medium of expression to God. Revelation 5.9, Revelation 14.2 and 3, 15, and Revelation 15.3, 5.9, 14, 2, and 3, 15, 3, all in Revelation. And I think God is saying to some of you that listen today, tomorrow, in the future, He wants to write songs through you. He wants to give you melodies of praise that you can put words to. Yes, I'm calling out, I'm calling out the minstrels out there. I'm calling out the worship leaders out there to write new songs of praise and glory and honor to God. He would be well pleased with that. Let's go on and talk about types of psalms. Petitions, prayers, protection, Psalm 86 and 102. Praise, Psalm 145 to 150, Psalm 47. Of course, there's many other psalms 
uh, of examples of petitions, praise, and all the other uh, types here, but I'm only listing, uh, only highlighted a couple for you that you can go check out. Repentance, Psalm 51, Psalm 130, Psalm 130. Intercession, Psalm 6, 21, 67, 122. Cursing, imprecatory, or judgment of the wicked, Psalm 35, 59, and 109, instruction. You know, there's teaching in the Psalms. It's not just all praise and worship as much as we love that, but there's also teaching in there. Psalm 37, 73, Psalm 122. So the teacher is well fed by reading the Psalms. There's Psalms questioning God. Do you know it's okay to ask God questions? Do you know it's okay to question God? You know, you are his favored son and daughter. Look at Psalm 9, Psalm 10, Psalm 14, Psalm 49. It's okay to question God. Psalms of memorial, psalms of history, psalms of narrative, psalms of teaching, and psalms of parable, psalms of allegory, psalms of enlightenment, psalms of evolution, or I'm not evolution, but revelation, and prophetic psalms. Let's go on with more types of psalms. Psalms of praise, psalms of hope, psalms of trust, psalms of faith. Psalms that exalt God. Psalms that show forth a loving of God and His Word. Psalms of thanksgiving. Psalms of just joy and longing for Him. You know, David said, you know, uh, I long to be in your house. You know, I want to be there forever. You know, I'm paraphrasing that. Psalms of exaltation. Psalms of rejoicing. Psalms of gladness. Psalms, psalms of happiness. Psalms of deliverance. Dedication. Confession, repentance, prayer, petition, humility, intercession, refuge, inquiry, need, and fear, lamentation, woe, sorrow, oppression, bondage, and trouble. Wow, a long list there. When you get the show notes, go through all these. I don't. I didn't list psalm uh, uh, psalms here for each one of these words that I listed. Maybe you can go through and find psalms of dedication, psalms of lamentation when you're in sorrow, psalms of when you're feeling oppressed. They're in there for you to read. Uh, uh, one sister I know used to tell me when, when she, sometimes for her devotions, especially when she was really troubled, she'd take the book of Psalms and she'd begin at the beginning and just prayer, prayerfully go through it, skim it, having her eyes pick up on various words and read through different psalms till all of a sudden a uh, psalm was highlighted to her and she spent her devotional time for that morning or that time in that psalm. Conclusion. We're at the conclusion of the conclusion, okay, of uh, the introduction to psalms, I should say. The psalms provide to us both a beautiful and meditational book of song and worship, as well as containing bits and pieces of all major doctrine to be studied along with all the aspects of life, physically and spiritually, that mankind experiences on earth. You know, go through all the gamut of the emotions and feelings men and women go through. You know, you think that God can't relate to you, to what you're going through? I'm sure somebody thousands of years ago that penned a psalm, there would be words in there that would relate to your situation today. Amen? It has been said of the psalms one finds 
expressed an eager yearning and longing for God's presence. Amen. That's one of the main themes that I see in the Psalms. Psalms certainly contains prayers and songs of joyous praise. Psalms are a collection of honest, needy expressions of vulnerable, hungry hearts before God. All emotions known to men are expressed in beautiful and inspired prose within this book. Whatever state you find yourself in, you can begin to find comfort and answer in the Psalms, right? Just start to read through them. If you're depressed, feeling anger and hate, uh, feeling in grief, in fear, in joy, sadness, feeling wronged or misunderstood by others, needing justice for a situation, seeking maybe that you just want to run and hide, seeking someone to be vulnerable with, seeking prayer, in need of repentance, feeling joy and delight, feeling doubt or faith. The Psalms and the God of the Psalms cover the whole gamut of human emotions and thought. Adopt them as your own prayers. That's, that's my homework for you today to, uh, as we continue on in the Psalms next week and the weeks beyond, begin to adopt some of these things that we talk about, some of these Psalms as your own prayers and pen your own Psalms before Abba. Write your own Psalms. Let's read one more scripture. James 1, 23 to 25, and then we will close for today, and we'll be done with the introduction. We're going to come back next week, and we're going to get into Psalm 1 and 2. I love Psalm 1, because they are really what the scholars say are the introduction to all the rest of the Psalms. So we'll, we will be in Psalm 1 and 2 starting next episode. James 1, 23 to 25. Have done then with impurity and every other evil which touches the lives of others, and humbly accept the message that God has sown in your heart, which can save your souls. Don't, I beg you, only hear the message, but put it into practice, otherwise you merely are deluding yourselves. The man or person who simply hears and does nothing about this message it's like a man catching the reflection of his own face in a mirror. He sees himself, it is true, but he goes on without, or he goes on, I'm sorry, without, with whatever he was doing, without the slightest recollection of what sort of person he saw in the mirror. You know, he's very unaware of what he looks like, right? But the man who looks into the perfect mirror, and we're talking about the Psalms. We can relate this to the Psalms. God's perfect law of liberty or freedom and makes a habit of doing so is not the man who sees and forgets. He puts that law into practice and he wins true happiness. Amen. Let's look into the Psalms. Let's devour it. Let's, let's put that into, into practice. Let's not be one that just look at it you know, and blow it off, but let's let it marinate in our hearts that we can find true happiness, true direction from God. Be blessed, my friends. I'm so thankful you're here at the Kingdom Corner podcast. The great Matt Guybe, uh wishing you all a very happy, prosperous, joyful, and worshipful week. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.